I don't know, there's one girl with a massive arse. <laughs> and she just kept on boogieing, which, you know, I was, I was happy for, and I was happy for myself at that moment. But... <laughs> Everybody, one and all, to the latest episode of the podcast. And that's when the bunting drops and it's all very <laughs> regal and everybody's having fun. So today, oh God, I always forget to do the boring bit at the front. Let's do the boring bit then before I introduce <laughs> you to the guys. You can find us on all listening locations. You can find us on all your favourite podcast locations. We are on YouTube, which seems to be kind of the place to be at the minute it's going like wildfire <laughs> i can't get the videos on there quick enough and then you need another more give us another youtube video that's how i picture it being when people watch my instant reaction this is the full reaction there isn't instant it's complative and i've got friends with me not when i'm just speaking to a rickshaw mobile phone stand on the dashboard of my moderately priced Sports car. <laughs> Midlife crisis! <laughs> so, we are also on Instagram. We are also on Twitter. The end underscore pod. Well, I think that's enough about me. One part of your regular co-host team. I'm Matt. And today we have one of our most delightful cast members with us today. <laughs> but first of all i introduce you to tim are you feeling better since your croaky croaky not performance but appearance your croaky appearance on best movie worst movie i feel so much better yeah, yeah. i mean i'm basically 100 other than it being you know behind the curtain you no one knows this except these two but you guys are all going to know now that i made them get up an hour or made them record an hour earlier because of my kids and so it's like 6 30 here <laughs> so I'm a little croaky, but it's only because I just got out of bed. Yeah. Um, but I feel much better. Anyway, uh, thank you both for. Uh, you've not been up all night shagging again, have you? <laughs> <What>? <laughs> you've not been up all night shagging again. Is that the problem? <laughs> no, no, no. That was just the one time. <laughs> <laughs> Slap Jordan foot loose. <laughs> oh, there's one person left to introduce, but I feel like it's a person that needs no introduction. <laughs> it is the delightful, the lovable, the enjoyable Tara. Tara, how are you? I'm sleepy but good. I'm happy to be with you this morning. You're so such a sweetie pie when you're uh, sleeping. I'm not grumpy when I wake up. It's genetic or something. So what are we up to today? First of all, we're going to talk about Pearl, the sequel to X. That's it's the it. latest Thai West <laughs> film written, co-produced, co-written by Mia Goth, who also is the lead of the film as well. And what a mighty fine lead she is too. Quick whip round for your general thoughts. I love this movie. I can't remember where I had it. I think it was somewhere, even maybe in the top 10, I'm not certain. Yeah, if it's, sure if it wasn't in the top 10, it should have been. I, I really enjoyed this one. I thought it was really good, especially juxtaposed with the um, with X, because it's yeah. it's not simply a prequel. It's different in so many respects. I mean, in tone and the way it's shot, it's amazing what they did in terms of 
how they changed up like so much of what was going on. The aesthetics, the plotting, it's, it's not just a another sequel. It's special in many different ways. And I also want to just point out how much I love Mia Goth. She's so great. I have things about to say about her. I have things to say about her when we get to the meat of it. But yeah, I love this movie. This is a tour de force. Like, it, unbelievable. Like, to the extent whereby, is she just fucking nuts? Like, is, is <laughs> Mia Goth actually fucking nuts? <laughs> Yeah. I was watching Double Toasted and their review of it earlier today, and they were like, "If she took you to the premiere, you'd go to the toilet and run out the door because it was too believable." You'd be like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> "You can't. No one's that good an actor." <laughs> Great film, but I'm getting the fuck out of here. <laughs> I agree. It was incredible. Blew me away. And at first, I thought I watched. The movie's in the wrong order but then i realized this one was shot after the other one and yeah she was just incredible and like you said just so believable it was like kind of alarming how believable. yeah alarming in our oscar shows we did talk a lot about lead actress because it was the one probably with the most controversy if you want to talk about snubs this was yeah. a snub and then you know how strongly i feel about andrea riseborough like standard iterations above anything mm-hmm. that I saw last year. Absolutely. Incredible. And let's not forget for the first half of this film, it's the very pastiche driven period film. Yes. Set yeah. in uh, 1918 when the first world war and the beginning of the Spanish flu. And that was such a clever decision to do that because it was filmed through the height of COVID. So yes, all the, all the, all the the extras and that could all be masked up and it was just simply a part of the plot. I was wondering about that. So this was filmed during COVID? Yeah, written, written, directed, produced. Well, they shot them back to back, didn't they? So I imagine with X, what were we talking about on Thursday, Tim? Uh, What did I say? Red Rocket, where they only had four people in the camera crew, 10 people in the extended crew. You, you sort of felt that X was done in that kind of way as well. And I think that's probably another way to fit within COVID limitations and restrictions. So how did you think it compared to the first film, Tim? I actually, oh boy, it's so hard to tell because like I said, they're, they're, they are very different. The dexterity that Ty West has to make these two movies back to back and have them feel so different is so impressive. I love the pastiche elements of this one. I don't know. I I guess if I had to, I thought that the first one, X, was like funnier in some way. I think more comedic elements. I love like Jenna Ortega, that one. And yeah. the, the poor boyfriend. That, that, that yeah. stuff was so funny. I think I probably prefer X, but only slightly for like the comedy reasons. But I think they're both like great. I mean, they're, they both stand, they're both standalone, I think. And at the same time, they just fit so yeah, perfectly yeah. together. They're almost reflective. Some of the the shot for shot recreations of the barn, the opening sequences, and the way that the adult film that they're making is actually called The Farmer's Daughter. And yeah. there's <laughs> that Pearl and Maxine juxtaposition whereby they're both um they sort of got this longing desire to make something of themselves and yeah. there's that little crossroads in their two stories where she sees the adult film being shown by the projectionist that's taken a shine to her. Mm-hmm. And then the way that that's reflected, obviously, with the crux of the original film. It's just so clever. When something's deliberately stylized, it immediately makes me hard. 
Because again, on Thursday, we were talking about a truly terrible film, False Positive. Yeah. yeah. And the way that that was very deliberate in what it was doing, but it was deliberately off-putting. Whereas this yeah. is very deliberate. And I think you've either got that or you haven't. It's kind of like the difference between people with style and people with money. It's mm-hmm. a good way Like some say. people could, you could chuck somebody like a goodwill and they'll come out looking sick. Whereas you can give famous right. people like a million pounds, dollars, whatever, and they'll just look like a fucking clown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. On the look of the film, it had that very oversaturated, gone with the wind. That's what it made me think of. Yeah. Sort of like black Technicolor. Color. Oh, was it? Yeah, so, yeah. It, looks, it looks like Technicolor. Yeah. Like Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz, yeah. With that, the the scene with the scarecrow. Yes. <laughs> Felt like there were a lot of callbacks to Wizard of Oz in there. Is her riding the bike too? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It has a sincerity to it as well. You fear Mia Goth's character Pearl, but you also fear for her. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. It's weird to feel protective of her and afraid of her all at once. And that's almost like a path that's walked by all the characters and all the relationships she has in her life. No matter how critical the path becomes, you're still rooting for it in the next relationship that she is obviously going to kill somebody. But you've almost got this weird parental relationship with her where you're aware that she's done some shit, but you always believe that she can do better. Right. Keep hoping. I feel like the fact that these were shot contemporaneously too makes it all the more impressive because in terms of how different they are, it seems to me like you would need, for that to be effective, you make some time to marinate on the first one and really pivot. The fact that they shot them back to back is amazing and they were so different that way. I'm just like so impressed by that. Because the first one almost feels a little bit dusty. Yeah, it does. and, And the difference as well with Pearl is it's most of the horrific scenes are in daylight and with mm-hmm. that bright contrast and it mm-hmm. makes them no less stark or startling whereas x was very much your typical 70s slasher film whereby the daytime's safe but the night times right the darker it gets the, the more dangerous down. yeah exactly and then sunrise it's kind of like shake hands like we've just had a yeah. game of football or something just shake all right good game guys yeah <laughs> right <laughs> see you at 6 p.m <laughs> yeah is, is the final part of this trilogy going to be called maxine oh do you know the thing is, I think I'm making eye contact with Tim. Oh. <laughs> I'm literally sat here, like, looking him in the eye, like, I'm having a conversation. <laughs> and it is just sat there, like... I am an idiot. I don't know. I don't know. What, do you know when it's going to come out? I don't, but I mean, it's almost funny that they didn't do all three back to back. Yeah. Mia Goth, one thing about her, I don't know if you guys saw this, but like her star was rising just as COVID was hitting. You could imagine like, someone in that position might have interrupted their career, could be like really damaged. Mm-hmm. The last movie I saw in the theater before shutdown was, I don't know if you remember this, Emma, the latest adaptation of Emma with yes. Anna Taylor Joy. It's very good. Anyway. So Mia Goth has a prominent role in this, in that movie. I can't remember her character's name, but the best friend. I forget her okay. name in the book. But she's so great in it. I'd never seen her before. You could tell she's just it's such green presence. Mm-hmm. You could tell her star was like on the rise. And then COVID hits like literally the week after that comes out. The movie tanks because, of course, no one can see it. You could see yeah. how that could have damaged somebody's career. But she's just like right back at it. Like, such a presence and such a force. Like, she was going to bust through COVID no matter what. 
The next film that, that I want to see where they're in, that I'm absolutely going to make sure I do see, is Infinity Pool. I'm not too sure if it's been released mm. yet or not. It's out this year, and it has another um, actor whose pedigree pretty much rocketed through COVID, and that's uh, Alexander Skarsgård. Yeah, Again, yeah. It's Brandon Cronenberg. It's supposed to be very weird, very sort of twisted, dark story, and that's all I really know about it. So that one's certainly Sounds on the good already. There was something that I noticed during the film. Now... The way she remembers her Harold, her husband returning back from war, but yet she envisages him at the same time dying from a landmine before he returns to the house. Now, the way that she fantasized her husband's death, the way that she fantasized quite viscerally the scarecrow scene, I noticed that when she murdered somebody and she had all the splatter of blood, especially on her hands, it never interacted any of the props or the scenes or the animals around her should be stroking a goat and the goat would remain completely white. Now, do you Mm. think that was a costume production decision or do you think there could be an interpretation that in actual fact she has fantasized most of what's occurred during this film? Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Um, That's very interesting. Yeah, it is very interesting. I didn't even notice that. Um, boy, I did notice that because I was thinking that's definitely going to get on the fur. Yeah, on the animals. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I can't imagine it's an oversight. It's got to be significant in some way, whether that's it's exactly. metaphorical. Yeah. 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 Feel that chat now. Yeah. Shonda Paul. Or whether it is a clue that, yeah, that this is all in her head or something. It's interesting. I don't know potentially a sliding scale like in a very similar way of american psycho where at the end everybody's actually alive but he has quite the succession of murder up to that point and then he sees the the fellow that he's supposed to have murdered at the very beginning in the final scene and he's i've never looked too much into american psycho but there is very much that maybe it's a degree of both because in the way that bateman probably did traumatize the hookers but was he actually capable of murder and in the same thing with this maybe her parents died and she was maintaining them at the dinner table in, until Harold returned home. But then the rest of the actual murders could have actually been fantasized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally plausible. Makes me wish they were going back into it instead of, well, I guess it's better though to focus on Maxine yeah. for the other movie. But I want more, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> and there's so much time between this film in 1918 to the 70s. So it's like another 50 years. Right. Yeah. I tell you the last thing that I'd like to bring up for discussion before we move on to John Wick 4. It's a very special character and we touched on this earlier. You don't consider them almost a bad actor. You just consider them a troubled person. And I thought there was similarities almost drawn to Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. And mm. again, the lack of symmetry between the plaudits that he achieved compared to Mia Goth in this. You know, I criticised that movie because... And this isn't really about Joaquin Phoenix or Mia Goth exactly, but I criticized that movie because the movie was explicit about the fact it walked the audience through like all the ways in which he was imagining what had happened. I thought that was like maybe a little patronizing. This movie doesn't do that at all. It, no, no. it asks you to, it asks the question and allows you to, to contemplate. It's like ambiguous in that respect. So I, I respect that about this movie. Yeah, that's my thought. I don't know if that's the question. That's just what popped in my head. I watched another film, uh, the other film in the in the day at the cinema on Thursday, 65, and that falls foul of that with its opening title scene. And then yeah, it tells yeah. you basically what I imagine would have been a final scene reveal that this is Earth 65 million years ago and he is a visitor 
it's not a hard one to figure out anyway. No. <laughs> it's really not. And just trust your audience. Yeah. I think if anything, that was to its detriment because people would have been talking about it had they not been led to the understanding. Yeah, exactly. Totally. Yes. No, that's good. I, I think that, that covers it. Great movie. Uh, all right, yeah, Mr. Really. Radshaw. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so John Wick 4 is the latest John Wick film. <laughs> I mean, it's as simple as that. There's nothing, I mean, does it, yeah. how would you introduce it any if, further? Yeah, there's not much you can, more you can say about it, honestly. <laughs> yeah. This, it has its problems too long, but at the same time, I nipped out for a little comfort break because sometimes I get a bit wriggly and I don't, it's not even that I need to actually leave my seat. I just need to take a breather, mm-hmm. maybe get a drink, maybe speak to the man outside that's collecting the tickets. And I was on my way to the gentleman's lavatory and I said, how long's left? And they said, oh, only, only about 30 minutes. I was like, oh, I'll probably go straight back in then. <laughs> <laughs> so it preposterously felt long, but at the same time went quite quickly, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. Yeah, definitely. Like I felt mentally fatigued, although the time still passed quite quickly. And there's a bunch of John Wick problems that are just specific John Wick problems that we can pick apart. I mean, and it also (laughs) has the qualities of a John Wick film, which is the qualities of the John Wick film. Like each of the other sequels, if you give yourself a couple days, it's hard to assess which one's which. Yeah, they kind of run together in that way. And it's not as obviously as fresh as it was the first time, even the second time. So there's familiarity to it. I also thought it was far too long. I had the same reaction as you did, Matt. You were aware of how long it was, but it wasn't slow exactly right. yeah, at all. Yeah. Points which I, I felt like it was long was during these endless set pieces. There's that one yeah, right, that yeah. feels like stairs. it lasts like 25 minutes. Yeah, one of them is half an hour long. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. It takes me out of the movie. I'm just thinking, oh, this is pretty cool choreography. I, I can't believe Keanu right. Reeves is able to keep still like, doing that. Such, in so good shape that he can carry this off. How many times do they have to rehearse this? Like all that shit's in my head and not really the movie. And sometimes it's almost five minutes without edits. That's yeah. crazy. It felt like a violent ballet is the best way I can put it. And the choreography. Yeah, I got stuck in my head thinking about how incredible the choreography was more so than the film itself. Mm-hmm. Which also sounds a lot like my lovemaking technique. who knew (laughs) that's also where the the wriggly I need to tap out for five minutes (laughs) she'll come back round in five ten minutes I'll be all right. It's all it's all consensual. It's all consensual. That's taking a dark turn. Oh, <laughs> what's it? The dirty Bertie. <laughs> there you go. That's there you that. go. <laughs> Don't know where to start. Let's start with the through flow from the other films. Now, this is as an IP, as a continuous storyline, is chasms away from the initial film. The through thread of revenge is long, mm-hmm. long in the past. He can't even remember what his dog's name is. It's like, what? There's a dog? Yeah. <laughs> there was a there was a dog. It was Daisy. I'll never forget it. <laughs> <laughs> Cute little puppy. <laughs> Adorable. It's almost the film starts. Okay, tell us what the reason is. All right, get that out of the way, and then we'll right. just carry on with the John Wickiness of it. Yeah, we'll see, <laughs> I'll see the body count. You know, yeah. you know a film that I can draw a parallel with with this quite easily is Shang-Chi. Starts with a big set piece, 
then it's a bit boring. Then there's another big set piece and it's a bit boring. And then there's an even bigger set piece. It was almost performative. The weakest character in the film was probably John Wick. I'm still undecided whether Keanu Reeves can actually act or not. And he also also has this really strange gait whereby he looks almost kind of a little bit bow-legged. It's like when you look at Norman Reedus running as Daryl on The Walking Dead, he kind of lumbers like he's he's got someone sat on his shoulders. John Wick looks like, the way he walks is every step is the the first stumble after stubbing your toe. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) That's a good way to put it. I was going to say that I, I like the Shang-Chi comparison because like mm-hmm. both those movies are anchored by the set pieces and you can't have, I think you're, you're swimming against the current if you want your movie to be truly stand out and you anchor around the set pieces. Like that's mm-hmm. the tent pole for your movie. And I think this one had the same problem as that one. That's a really good comparison. Now you could say like all the Marvel movies have that to an extent. And yeah, I would grant you that's probably true, but that one in particular. I think at least you had that Quafina and Simu Liu who are, well, they're not really comedic, are they? They're, they're modern comedians whereby you say something contrary and then everybody goes, oh, yeah, that was funny. That was funny. Yeah. Like, it's not yeah. actually, it's not co- comedy where you actually laugh at it. It's like, oh, no, no I, get right. it. I got it. It's like, oh, uh, I, yeah, get I get that. I get that. Like, I'm yeah. smart. Yeah. yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, fuck Trump. <laughs> I, get it, I get it. I get it. I get it. Yeah, yeah. Fuck Trump too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuck Boris. <laughs> well, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I get it. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm like you. I'm like you as well. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, I'm just going to whip through the the cast because the supporting cast was fantastic. I think the older Lawrence Fishburne gets, the more he is morphing into a more rotund Samuel yeah. L. Jackson. Lance Reddick can't go without what a sad end to what seems like a wonderful actor and a wonderful gentleman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Still crushed about that. Yeah. Do you think he got to see the film? He would have seen the film, wouldn't he? Well, I know it happened before the premiere. It was right around yeah, the same time. Because they said they on the day, wasn't it? Yeah, it was that week. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um oh Bill Skarsgård. I thought he did a good job. I, I did, too. did too. What I liked about his presence was when he was put under duress, he wasn't then turned into a super physical threat. His menace was right. all about power and almost by admission of, of the character as well. And I mm. liked that. He played the role well because like the whole movie, I wanted him to eat shit. Like I couldn't wait for him to yes. eat shit. Like it's such a yeah, shitty, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. and so it's very satisfying when he finally does, you know? Mm. So I think that's a credit to him. Yeah. You have to give him credit for that. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's a thing with, with the John Wick world now where it's going to fall foul like many of the TV series in the noughties, like Prison Break was one, where it was the oh organisation, and then it was the syndicate, and it was just increasing severity of dark... or, or like Shadow, shadow organisation. Right. Yeah, shadow. And it's... No, no, but these ones are the ones that really rule the world secretly. Yeah. And it's iterative inflation of threat, but yeah. Donnie Yen, I mean, what's he played now? Blind Samurai, Blind Jedi, <laughs> Blind Assassin. He was so um, good, though. He was, but I hate that. I hate it. You know what I think about Daredevil? Like, he ain't fucking blind. He can see everything. Daredevil can literally see, if he really concentrates, everything. Like, the whole of Manhattan. He pretends to be blind to cover up his superhero dumb to all his friends, all his family. He's an absolute fucking shitbag. 
Like Daredevil is the least blind person in the whole of the Marvel Comics universe. And also with this, to what point was he blind? Because it doesn't affect him in any way, except that when he moves really fucking slowly, he has to tap things with a stick. But when you're having these hugely choreographed and flamboyant dance sequences, he can hear the movement, the air pressure. Get the fuck out of here. It's not well explained. There's no room for disbelief. Why (laughs) why did he need to be blind, though? To what purpose did it serve anything in the film? It doesn't add anything. It doesn't add anything. Except Except for the doorbell, the scene. What doorbell scene? When he's leaving things around the sensors oh it looks oh, like he's yeah, dropping yeah, yeah. i thought he was dropping charges at first to yeah, I thought he was dropping charges. yeah yeah but he doesn't have any problem in the other locations though no never so i would say now people can't get in your house and for what reason <laughs> 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 or any of the houses on his street by the looks of things but no that was a clever detail i, I don't want to criticize something by its greatest strength but it's Everybody in this world an assassin. I say that for two reasons. Because they only seem to assassinate each other. They don't actually assassinate people. So if there's that many assassins, how are they all getting work? Say if it's one out of three people is like an assassin. The other two don't seem to care. Fuck. Like they're having a gunfight in a disco. I'm kind of like, all right, I can forgive that their super bulletproof suits are, are, you know, I can accept that. That's cool. That's just a thing in the film. That's a good thing because it means, especially when the guy had the full body armor suits, they were kind of like um, the bosses of the second or third level in a computer game where you had to find out the way to defeat them. Maybe sweep, sweep the leg, (laughs) sweep the leg. (laughs) (laughs) So I really enjoyed those sequences. And I know maybe the point of it is, is like you said, it's like ballet and the way they're fighting is like expressively like the people who are actually at the rave. But it was that specific sequence because I know I'm like what the bullets, the guns going off, it's like the base, but it's not, right. but it isn't and it isn't and it's not. And then there is a point in a little bit after about 10, 15 minutes of this running rife through the through the rave, through the nightclub. When they notice, they don't run away. They just kind of stand there and, and yeah. they sort of vogue. They hold the vogue <laughs> and then just watch it. I don't know, there's one girl with a massive ass, <laughs> And she just kept on boogieing, which, you know, I was, I was happy for, and I was happy for myself at that moment. But, and the car through as well, at the Arc, was it the Arc de Triumph scene with that massive roundabout? Mm-hmm. At what point do those cars not stop? Right. There's like endless public gun battles. Yet yeah, endless. Somehow. And no there's like no collateral police. damage. Maybe they explain that briefly in some way in like the first film where like the local cop shows up at John Wick's door and they all kind of like know oh, each yeah. other, wink, wink. You tell me there's like an international cabal of conspiracy of law enforcement letting these guys do what they want. They're normal people cars. Yeah, they're not even cop cars. So. Yeah. yeah, no, exactly. But where, where is law enforcement? Yeah, Why aren't people like freaking out? We're in the age of social media. That's why the MCU can't have secret identities because they don't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. So the DJ knows, but the cop doesn't. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, <laughs> right. and, 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 and uh, I think I broke into him. Everybody would know who John Wick was by this point. His face would be everywhere, mm-hmm. especially a good looking one like that. 
It's like when everybody was trying to get that sexy black guy unarrested because he was that good looking. Because someone got his mug shot and they were like, is this the best looking criminal of all time? And then the day oh, he stepped that, yeah. out of yeah, the day he stepped out of jail, he got a modeling contract. Oh, that guy. Now I remember. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's like John Wick, isn't it? Because he's a sexy assassin. Yeah. Assassinate my pussy. <laughs> <laughs> that's what people have been saying. That's my line. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to go for it then, Tom? No, no, I don't, because it will be the cold open. I know you. <laughs> <laughs> No, I didn't think about that. No, I really want you to do it. Entirely too sober. We'll have to shoot later in the day. Sorry. So, yeah, there's that. But again, you can't use its greatest strength as its weakness. The whole Osaka battle scene, the change points of view, the way that the overhead was almost like a computer game. It's one of the most exquisite action scenes I've ever I've ever seen. It's beautiful. From start to finish, about half an hour long. The one on the steps at the end was pretty cool as well. Yeah. But... In the middle, that whole nightclub scene, I just was like, oh, I've seen this before. Yeah. Was it just me or did the bass even drop out at one point? Yeah, probably. There were a few do, yeah. a few seconds where because that was getting me through it, that the bass was loud enough. I'm like, okay, maybe <laughs> that you know, if you were just feeling the bass, but then it drops out for a little bit. And I didn't know if that was I don't think it was deliberate. Because I started nodding a little bit in the middle part. So maybe that's why the film went quite as quick as it did. I was just <laughs> I tell you, at 65, didn't leave the cinema once. No, no joke. My eyes were completely open. I haven't seen that one yet. It's so good, isn't it, Tim? So good. I love that movie. I want to see it. I'd watch it again as well because it's 90 minutes. Yeah. Oh, well, then I'm going to have to go. It's really, really good. And because there was no hype or anything around it, like I had negative hype. I just went, oh, fuck's sake, what's this now? And then... Because I wanted to go to see two or three. I just put that in. Then I saw Pearl, just then the John Wick. The best day I've had back to back at the cinema. Sounds like fun. Yeah, I was going to see That's Shazam as a fourth film, but then I thought, I don't want to ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. a lot. Yeah, exactly. There was another one on later on. There was quite a few. Oh, that was it. Uh, Knock at the Cabin. But that I would have had to have waited for another mm. hour or so. And it wasn't until 10. And then by then I'm not getting... Oh, no, I couldn't have watched it because we taped, didn't we? So I watched those films and then came back. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. You were there, Tara. But I, I liked that you approved. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I can confirm that did happen. I just knew it was the plan. Well, we like to keep you in the loop, don't we? Please do. I love it. Oh, I try to. Sometimes I forget. And then, you know, I have a talking to and then I behave myself. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Um I don't know what else there is to say about this, to be honest. I mean, it's a very John Wick film with the strengths of a John Wick film and the weaknesses of a John Wick film. I think the only thing I'd say is that after the first John Wick, I messaged you both, didn't I? I was like, this film is fucking incredible. It's almost perfect. It's really special. It's almost a 10 out of 10. But I just put it as a a 9 because I thought, if I watch it again in 10 years' time and I've watched it 10 times and it's that good. Yeah. But I kind of have a rule whereby you can only iteratively move your ratings up, if you know what I mean. So each time you yeah, watch yeah. it. But with but with John Wick, I went, fuck it, we need to get this up to nine as quick as possible. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let past mistakes break the path for future ones. So that's all I'm right. saying. Right. Get, get this fucker up to nine now, and then we can have the conversation about ten next time. That's so true. Yeah, the first one was really special, I think. Yeah. Does everything that happens in the subsequent movies all depend on the fact that he killed that one guy in the Continental? Like, is that what drives everything? Yeah. Yeah, Basically. Yeah, yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. And if you think about that, that was a consequence of, of him not doing the promise, you know, with the blood. Yeah. Right. 
at that point, he must think, blows up his fucking house for a start. And that makes him mm-hmm. angry because the last couple of pictures of his, his dead wife are in there. And everybody knows if, if it's a plot vehicle, it's a picture of a dead wife on fire. Don't oh, you? yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You put that on your film, you know the shit's about to fucking hit the fan. The only thing that could have made that more on point is if they showed her picture on a refrigerator, you know? Right. I'll tell you somebody that we didn't talk about when we are going through the cast and needs to be talked about because he was fucking sick. Is it Shamir Anderson? Tracker. The black dude oh, with, yeah. the, with the dog. He was awesome. so good. Yeah, he was really good. I loved the way he was so calm. That he wasn't going after John Wick. He was just making sure that he always knew where he was. Mm-hmm. So when the bounty increased to a point that he was happy to take John Wick on, like he refused to kill him until the the reward was big enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he was a great backboard for Keanu Reeves as well. Mm-hmm. Is this his first major film or did I just miss him somewhere along the way? It was Apple TV's Invasion, which is supposed to be painfully slow. And then there's a bunch of one-episode stuff. So he's on the verge, then? Winona Earp. He was in 27 episodes. Oh, oh. But I've never watched that, so... I have, actually. Some of it, but I didn't... I'll have to look for him. Yeah, he was the black guy. (laughs) In the Old West, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he feels like he's on... I would like to see a spin-off with him. Oh, totally. If he could That'd carry cool. it, yeah. Even if it was a TV series, I'd be more than happy to see him. Just seeing him getting on with his life when he's surrounded by mm. espionage and clandestine acts. Even his notebook, I was drawn in by his notebook too. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. Yeah. It was a nice vehicle for the film. Did you stay for the post-credit scene? I didn't. I I didn't make it. Same. The lights came on, and I was like, "Well, I guess there's no, there's nothing here," so I left. <laughs> So I did not see it. I didn't know there was one. It's basically Rina uh, Sawayama, who plays Akira. Mm -hmm. Hiroyuki Sanada's daughter in the film goes after Donnie Yen and approaches him from behind. And Mm. I think there's a pause for breath and then it cuts off. She was great as well. She really was. She's like a B-list pop star in England. Oh, really? Yeah. Apparently she got a phone call and he called her and said, I want you to be in my film, please. And she said, Hmm. what's the film? And he went, it's um, a little one. It's a little one <laughs> called John Wick 4. And she went, count me in. And he goes, well, here's the thing. You say that now, but the next six months are going to be absolutely fucking torture for you. And not everybody can do it. Because you've, you've got to keep up with Keanu until you start from scratch. And she went, yep. Literally the next day, got on a flight and started six months intensive martial arts training. That's wow. awesome. She was great. Asian ladies. I don't know what it is about them. Oh, God. <laughs> It doesn't make me so wriggly. <laughs> oh it's like, my God. it's like that time I got worse. <laughs> oh my God. What she got to tell me, Tara? I'm still holding my face from the other thing. It won't get you through the internet, even if anything does happen. <laughs> oh God. Don't make it worse. Uh, <laughs> I, I, you made me forget what I was going to say. That's how you uh, do it, Tim. You surprise them with language and then you set upon them. <laughs> <laughs> we dazzled them uh, with vernacular. Right. And then I'm, I'm glamoured. Yeah, she's been glamoured. <laughs> <laughs> and then you kiss them on the cheek and they're yours forever. Yeah, so as far as the film goes, Tom, you got out to say about that? I felt like I knew what I was in for. It was very John Wicky, like you said. So I do enjoy John Wickiness. 
I don't know that anything could compare to the very first one, but I think there was enough spectacle that I got caught up in the choreography and all the, you know, the things that were beautiful about it were beautiful. But as far as blowing my mind again, I don't know if it can be properly blown like it was that first time. Mm-hmm. What we mean, Tim had definitely said previously is that a linear escalation is not escalation at all. Right. It has to be exponential. Exponential, yeah. And I do think that John Wick handles that expectation pretty well. Yeah, I I do too. I think that we're still talking about the action set pieces and how durable they are and how grand they are is a testament to Stahelski. Yeah, I think it's a testament to his vision. There was one more thing. Well, that was it. Is John Wick dead then? I thought so. But it was ambiguous, so maybe they want to see well, how box office goes. I mean, he, he died and he had a grave, so... Yeah, but we didn't. We saw him on the steps. We didn't see him lowered into the ground. We yeah. just saw his headstone. I mean, the That's... table is pretty pervasive, right? I'm going to go with no. Yeah, I don't think he's dead. He can't be. In my yeah. instant reaction, I said, this, this pretty much concludes it. But I, I was kind of hoping he was for his sake. Yeah. I know, seriously. Got it's it. too much of a moneymaker. And they were obviously were very purposeful and not showing you and leaving it open. I think when they do that, they're telling you that Maybe. It's, 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 yeah, <laughs> they're leaving themselves a window. The budget for this one was a proper Hollywood budget. It went from like 30 million to, to I think it went from like 25 million budget to, or 20 to 50 to like 60 to 100. There's oh, the wow. exponential growth we were talking about. Yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And it's funny, though, because it felt like a very rich, very stylistic film. Very. When you think of some of the horseshit that the MCU have pumped out in the last couple of years. And the I did find those myself ones. thinking about that. Yeah. 350 million, 250 million. It's pantry parenting a little bit. Get some yeah. sweeties and sit in the other room with your iPad. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. They don't have to be clever because they have all the money. Just throw some CGI at it. I've got nothing else to... No, I think we covered that. Out of the three films that I saw this week, what order would you put them in? 65, John Wick 4, Pearl. Pearl, 65, John Wick 4. Yeah, yeah, I would. I wouldn't say they were too far apart, though. Um, No, I mean, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I would sign people to all of them. I think there's a clear rank order for me. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, and that, that is ossified to me. Like, it's nailed on. Tara, anything else to say, baby, baby, baby? No, except for now, I really want to see 65. So thank you both for that. It's a great time. Welcome. Goodbye, everyone, all you <laughs> fancy people. And uh, <laughs> I uh, look forward to the next one. We, we've been recording like pretty consistently, and it's been a lot of fun. So I, I hope we continue that. Yeah, I think Pro Rata, we've got at least one out every week this yeah. week. Warren yeah. Ellis, the Oscars stuff. I'll do it again next year. Very happy it's in the rearview mirror. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's one of those that when you're on top, it's fucking sick. Like you're loving every second of doing it and you're getting them uploaded and you want people to pay attention to it. But if you miss one, it just completely falls apart. There is no, there is only <laughs> the critical path. You don't have any lag time because you're, you've are you backward engineered the program from the day before the Oscars. Yeah. But we did it. So I'm happy about that. So that's only me left. I'm Matt. I am your pop culture popping Jay, the co-host <laughs> of the end pod. As I said, you can find us on all your favorite listening locations. Please follow us. Please, please follow <laughs> us. I know there's new listeners every time, which is great. Hello, Brussels, by the way. Hello. Thank you for tuning in, Brussels, baby. Brussels. <laughs> Brussels. <Except for> Brussels. <laughs> yeah. You can find us on all the listening locations. And that's what we're saying. 
they're all pretty much unique. You need to click to follow. You need to subscribe. You need to like. You need to comment. All these things. Like I know you enjoy it because I'm looking at the retention. But it's not people are clicking on it and going. So I know you're listening. Yeah. Follow us. Tell them, Tim. Follow us, dude. Come on. <laughs> all right. That's obviously going to get cut out. I'm sorry, people. I'm sorry about that. He's had a long. He's had a long morning. <laughs> oh, it's going to be the call. No. no, I'm joking. I mean, he tried, didn't he? That's all right. We can't all be pointless Englishmen. (laughs) 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 So, yeah, that leaves me one thing left to say. We have been, and this is, the end. That felt, that felt like a lot of fun, but it also felt yeah. quite ramshackle. <laughs> <laughs> Did it? I don't know. I thought that was... I don't, I don't think so. Yeah.